2013. The Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast is sponsored by MailOrderComics.com. They have today's comics at yesterday's prices. An example is on Superior Spider-Man number 9. In this one, the solicits say that you'll be more angry with this issue than Amazing 700. And in this one, you'll see who lives, who dies, and emerges as the Superior Spider-Man. Now, the cover price is $3.99. Mail order has it for just $2.47, which is 38% off the cover price. So check them out at mailordercomics.com. Welcome, gang, to our March editions of the show. Let me tell you who's on the panel. We're going to start with Donovan. Welcome, Don, for some March Madness. Yes, March Madness. What's going on? What's on? What's going on? Not much, sir. How are you? It's 60 degrees here in Missouri. How about you? Um, How, how am I? Well, let, let, me, let me think for a second. Accessing <laughs> memory files. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we can call you Donovan Ock, or no, just Doc. There you go. <laughs> Doctovan. Doc, Doctovan. There you go. I like that. And we also have JR from SpideyKicksButt.com. What's going on, sir? And now I'm defying gravity. I think I'll fly. Defying gravity. That's a little preview of what's coming up later in the show. JR saw the Spider-Man musical. I'm anxious to hear your review on it. This ought to be good. <laughs> We're starting off like that. <laughs> and we also have Chris, a reviewer of the Superior Spider-Man on the front page of the Crawl Space. Actually, Brad, I'm going to have to insist that you call me Dr. Chris, because I access my memories, and I discovered that I have a Juris Doctor degree, which is what the law degree that everybody gets is called. And I, I would not want our listeners to wonder what I've done with my life. All right, Dr. Chris. <laughs> and we have Dr. Feelgood, Kevin, on the line. Uh, <laughs> what's going on, Kevin? Um, well, I'm broadcasting from Louisville for the first time in, I believe, two years which is kind of different. I've, I'm surrounded by my old comic books that I'm sorting through to put up on eBay. 
Yeah, Kevin is going through his comics, and uh, here, I'm going to help you out. Put put a list of all your eBay auctions on the front page of the Crawl Space. If you want to buy some of Kevin's books, just check them out. Nice. Yes. And in particular, I'm going to be selling off a full run of Amazing Spider-Man from one more day through number 700. Holy Jesus. <laughs> wow. 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 Kevin will autograph them. <laughs> I think us. I don't know. I think you can autograph the omit issues <laughs> with your endurance. And when, when can we expect those up on the front page? Or probably by the time I edit this, probably uh, they'll probably so, be yeah. out there. I'm just going through them, yeah. taking pictures of them uh, right now. I'm hoping to list them in the next couple of days, but I'm just going to make sure I get pictures of them before I leave Louisville. Because if I do that, then I can still list them. Yeah. When I'm in LA. I've got a friend here that's going to ship them out for me once the auctions are over. Good. I've had mixed results. I uh, I sold probably seventy percent of s- some stuff I've in the last month or so. No one I realized wants Alf comics from the eighties. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that's the truth. I had, I, I had twenty four copies. I started the bidding at nine dollars. Went seven days, didn't sell. I started the bidding at ninety nine cents for twelve cop twenty four copies. Still didn't sell. Pogs, <laughs> dude. They need to be pogs. <laughs> what pogs? What the nineties reference, Brad? I know what pogs are. You're going to cut my books up and make them little pogs, little circular things? I might have to insult them to the common little guy. All right. <laughs> right. Then. And uh, let's see. Kevin's Dr. Feelgood. What's what's a good nickname for Zach? Dr. Feelbad. Oh, Dr. Strange. Bad. Dr. Strange from Spidey-Dude.com. What's going on, sir? It is good to be back, sir. Yes. Uh, I yes. feel like I should have a basketball in my hand. Uh, it is March Madness. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. But I am talking comic books, so I've got my... Playing some b-ball outside of the school. Kids, <laughs> that were up to no good. Gotta make well, a trouble they... in my neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> uh, usually we, uh, well, when we have them, we do uh, iTunes reviews. We haven't had any since December, so if you're listening, you like the show, please write into iTunes. We haven't had one since December, but every now and then we get viewer mail. So I'm going to read a couple that I particularly liked uh, in the last couple of months. Uh, we have one from uh, Griffin. So let me read it to you. He goes, hey, Crawl Spacers, I assume I'm talking to Brad. Yes, you are, considering he's the webmaster over there. Anyway, hi, my name is Griffin. I'm 15 and currently reside in southern Michigan, and I'm a huge Spider-Man fan. However, my knowledge and collection of the Web Slinger compared to yours is like comparing an atom to the Empire State Building. I've been constantly following the book since the start of Big Time, thanks to ASM Classics, though I've got some groundwork for the really early stuff. I've been following your show since episode 171 and can't describe my love of the show. I'm on the bus. Listen to Crawl Space. I'm bored. Listen to Crawl Space. Up late studying. Listen to Crawl Space. Homesick with the flu. Feeling like I'm on my deathbed. Listen to Crawl Space. (laughs) Not only have you provided me with hours, days of entertainment, you've even given me much guidance and insight into the Spider-Verse. Thanks to you guys, I've avoided reading Spider-Man the Other. Good job. Anyway, the reason I'm writing in is because, as we know, I'm the biggest... Th- we all know the biggest thing in Spidey now... <laughs> See what I did there? Because it's Marvel now. So, with the start of that new series, I decided if I wanted to start a Spider-Man podcast, seeing as how I rant alongside you guys when I listened to the Crawl Space, it was now. So, I grabbed two of my friends, Dylan and Connor, who don't have any past experience with Spider-Man other than the movies, but are still fans, and, and stayed up late one night recording a show called Superiority. And as we say in the show, the idea is just that, a teenage perspective on the superior Spider-Man. So I was wondering if you could listen in to whenever you got a spare hour and 49 minutes. <laughs> 
I'm sure you're busy, so whenever you could, I thought you could listen to it, and if you liked it, you could go ahead and start mentioning on the Crawl Space to help kickstart us. We're also in the process of getting support from our local comic stores and are part of our school's comic book club, so there's that. And who knows, maybe we could become an official podcast partners or something. I don't know, I'll gladly put in a word for the Crawl Space on our show, not that you need it, but this has gone on far too long. We aren't on iTunes yet, they're still processing our request or whatever, but you can go ahead and listen to the first episode on our Podomatic page. In closing, love Spidey and the show, and hope you hear back from you, but above all, just remember that if you could do good things for other people, you have a more obligation to do those things, because that's what's at stake, not choice, responsibility, or in other words, with great power comes great responsibility. Uh, Griffin, very nice. I love that you're sick. You listen to Crawl Space. You're at home. You love that he's sick. <laughs> I, I'm feeling better, Griffin. Um, I haven't had a chance to listen to your show, but I'm giving you a free plug right now. Go to http colon backslash backslash superiority dot dot com and check out his podcast. And uh, it's nice to hear from a fan that likes the show and a future podcaster. So thank you for sending in that email. Uh, another one which kind of made me laugh. This one is from Robert, and he, he writes, Thanks so much for many great hours of listening as I'm on the road. Today turned out to be a 250-mile surprise trip. Fortunately, I have my iPad loaded up with the Crawl Space episode, so I was ready. I got to thinking what the equivalent in audiobooks would have run me, and I feel I ought to show my appreciation in some way. I saw the weirdest, ugliest Spider-Man item I've ever seen at a truck stop this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> if it's still there on the return trip, I will get it and send it to you for the weird collectible page. Or you can use it for a prize or a gift or some such. Just let me know and I'll get it into the mail. And then I wrote back to Mr. Robert and I said, that's really nice. Feel free to send it to this address. And then he wrote Bra- back. He goes, Brad, I feel like the world's biggest jackass. <laughs> uh-huh. I I had to make the big circuit in Oklahoma, Tulsa to Heavender to Stink, Stigler to wherever the heck I am now, somewhere on the Muskegee Turnpike on the way back to Tulsa. I was within a mile, a mile, I swear, I could see the lights of the Love's truck stop, and I'm thinking, okay, here it is, got to get this little squished troll or whatever the hell it is, and then i got to get home. And I take the exit, and all of a sudden, WTF, I'm on the turnpike. Damn it, damn it, damn it. <laughs> I really am embarrassed to make a promise and not following through. It's remotely possible that my boss, who still hasn't told me where I'm driving this weekend, will send me on a circuit past that place, and if so, I'll try again, but I don't have much hope. If I strike out, I'll look for some other way to express appreciation, but the partic- that particularly ugly Spider-Man may not be possible, and I'm sorry. Uh, on a note of what I've heard on the road, I was listening to episode 176, I think. Someone did a bit on the top five insane Marvel girlfriends, and it was really great stuff. Make it a regular feature to pick just one insane character. And I don't mean like Doc Ock or Norman crazy, but people who ate, who are supposedly not crazy and comment on their behavior in various situations like Betty Brandt. <laughs> I, I think we've been there. Uh, Dory, what's her name? The Torch's old girlfriend. Although those two were already done, but I'm sure there were many more. Anywho, it's, it's really late. I need to get out to yet another McDonald's and head back to Tulsa. <laughs> <laughs> By the cast, kudos to all the cast, and I think I just thought that email cracked me up, Mr. Robert. Mr. I can just see a truck driver uh, swerving on the road, laughing to us talking about Spider-Man's ex-girlfriends. <laughs> so if you're in Oklahoma and you see a guy randomly swerving and he's laughing maniacally, he's probably all the cops. <laughs> <laughs> 
I can't even yep. finish. Probably not Robert. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't know we had the truck driving set, but I think that's very cool. Roll on, brother. Roll on. I love it. Yes, sir. All right. Let's get in to reviews. We've got two issues this month. Uh, amazing. Whoa, excuse me. Superior <laughs> Spider-Man. Uh, oh, the good old days. Uh, Superior Spider-Man number four and number five we're going to tackle. And Donovan, you've got Superior number four, so you start us off, sir. Yes, sir. This issue begins with uh, the Superior Spocktopus or the Superior Sp- <laughs> Spider-Puss or whatever name we're calling him this hour. Um, yeah. He's he, it's basically the same as all the other issues. He's saying he's such an awesome Spider-Man and Peter Parker wasn't. Meanwhile, we still have Ghostface Peter herping and derping in the background saying... Ah, <laughs> what are you doing? So it's like it's like every issue. <laughs> Ghost Peter sucks. <laughs> I love herping and derping. I don't think I've ever used that in 38 years. That's like I a love... sexually transmitted disease, though. I'm sorry. Man, fuck! I got a bad case of herping and derping. I got it on the I got it on the turnpike. <laughs> Herp derping it all back to the truck driving. Yeah. Okay. So um. <laughs> There's a uh, there's an action sequence with the vulture babies, although some escape, and there's an action sequence with the white uh, white rabbit, almost a white queen, but she gives up because Superior Spocktopus is you know the Superior Spider-Man. So we cut to the hospital where Peter Puss is saying, "So what's the diagnosis, Black Shashan?" Black Shashan tells her that uh, he sh- she shouldn't get his hopes up about Aunt May walking again because uh, her and the head doctor say that they need a cane. You guys did notice that, right? Shashan was colored black, or is that in my copy? Is she? Well, let me look at that. Uh, no, I don't know. She races. The... Holy cow! She's. Oh wow! Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Did not notice that. Okay, yeah, you're right. Accessing wow, Sean is not uh, Vietnamese anymore. At least for this issue, <laughs> history has changed. Um, so Peter Puss goes back to his lab and turns it to Dexter from Dexter's laboratory again and goes to work. He after a while he summons Max Modell and Watu to uh, show off his latest invention. Which is a uh, an exo limb, which has a neural interface grafted to the brain, and the first test subject will be Aunt May. Uh, Max Modell and uh, Watu and Ghostface Peter say that's insane. What are you, Doctor Frankenstein? That's Doctor Parker. You will do well to remember that. But uh, uh, Max says he calls crap on that and says, "Oh, wait, I'm, I'm familiar with your resume. You don't have the credentials." So Doctor Octopus, you know, uh, racks his brain up, has his eyes rolled to the back of his head, and says, "Accessing memories." And Nuwatu call, rightly calls him crazy. So um, yeah, he realizes that, hey, Peter never actually did graduate from grad school, so he is outraged and uh, leaves to fix that right now, uh, right that second. So we cut to Ravencroft uh, for Ashley Kafka's throwaway death scene where we see her checking in on Massacre. Uh, somehow Massacre defied all logic and uh, killed his guard, killed the other guard, and uh, rips out uh, Dr. Kafka's eye. So we cut to um, a scene of a woman saying, check out that eye candy. That's a bit of a pun. And uh, we see Octopus going through the paces. He's, I guess apparently this is like the third time in total he's gone back to ESU, twice for Peter and once for him. He runs into an old teacher, and some mysterious person gives him a note uh, to go to a tutor because he'll need it. But then he gets a call to show up to Ravencroft to investigate the massacre escape. Learns that, um, he learns that massacre is gone, and both – uh, Spocktopus and Ghostface Peter realize that Ashley Kafka was one of the victims. So Peter takes one look at the body, checks his calendar, realizes that it's Tuesday, and screams, It's all my fault! And um, after that, mm-hmm. uh, Octopus says that he swears he'll uh, stop Masker no matter what it takes. Uh, essentially, he's going to kill him. We cut, yeah. we cut to um, uh, a 
copyright friendly Burger King were massacred. <laughs> massacred. That's with a Marvel logo. Yeah, <laughs> Marvel Burger Town Burger King, where you know all your murders are free. So, um, uh, massacred. Big time burger, please. <laughs> Master finds uh, the most innocuous and nebulous reason to kill everybody, but leaves the woman and her baby alive for his master plan. So um, at this point, Doc Ock goes to Uatu Jackson at Wayne Tower, I mean Horizon Labs, and asks Lucius Fox, I mean Uatu Jackson, to use the, um, the, the face interchange system so he can figure out where Masker is. Uh, at this point, Masker gets into the, escapes in the city, and we end this issue with the Vulture Babies running into a spider bot, which is probably destroyed by Norman Osborn, the Green Goblin. But don't worry, he's not in the next issue. To be continued. Yeah, that's... Pros and cons, Don. What do we got? Pros, I really enjoyed the whole sequence of uh, Doc Ock realizing that he doesn't actually have a... or Peter doesn't have a graduate degree. It's really funny because, um, like, a couple of months ago... They came out with Essential Spider-Man Volume 11, which has the Roger Stern run. And I was reading and talking to Josh on the phone about the whole the issue where Peter decides to quit graduate school because it's a really long, it's a really well-written sequence where you know he uh, really decides he doesn't he shouldn't be there. So the, I was sort of asking, you know, at what point did Peter ever go back to school? So I know he's in the school in the 90s, but technically he really didn't graduate from graduate school. So I just thought that was a really nice bit of continuity that didn't insist upon itself like slot tends to. So I thought that was really nice and. That is something that Doc Ock would despise, you know, not having the right credentials, even though he's a genius. Um, cons? Uh, I'm not going to say too much about this, because this could be a group discussion, but um, the Ashley Kafka cameo, Just For Her To Die, it feels like slots on, a, on like a 90s female killing rampage, because it's like, I know he didn't kill Silver Sable, really, but like this is the third character that I was familiar with when I was a kid, you know, in the 90s, just kind of needlessly killed after Marla Madison and Silver Sable. And I'm not I'm not going to suggest that slots of misogynist or anything. I really don't think so. But I think it's just sort of an oversight that he uses these like characters to sort of just further his villains. I mean, she's like massacre is completely without empathy. He's not human at all. He's totally the worst person I've ever met. You know, except for Carnage, which she saw all the time. So I found that yeah. a little annoying. Um, I, I I like this issue genu- genuinely and generally. I thought you mm-hmm. know it was it was pretty good, but there were still some things where you know kind of held it back. Uh, and if before you guys go on the grades, I suppose I'll give this like a um, a B. Okay. Well, let's go around the horn for grades, and then we'll do pros and cons. So Don has a B. Kevin, what do you give it? Uh, I also give it a B. Jr. I give it a B as well. Zach. A B. And Chris. C minus. Ooh. And I'm gonna give it a B also. Chris, let's hear your your uh, cons. Okay, well, my con is that killing off Ashley Kafka just sucked. Uh, my philosophy is generally that characters are a resource that should not be expended lightly. It's very difficult for me to see what purpose it served to bring Kafka back after years, write her badly, and then kill her by a villain who apparently just dies in the next issue anyway. I don't think they even mention her in the next issue at all, so oh. it just seems pretty pointless. Um, How long has it been since we've seen Kafka? I mean, Maximum Carnage? No, I, no, no. Uh, she was she was uh, de-aged she, in the nineties. Yeah, she was she was in the Luke Cross GMD spec run, but uh, looked okay. looking sexy. Right. Okay, <laughs> I've got a question for people who have better memories of JMD's run than I do. Would the Ashley Kafka that he wrote? ever say that one of her patients was, quote, actually less than human because of a mental illness that he had? Because no. that seems pretty God, anti- no. 
that seems really antithetical to what that character stands for because she's supposed to have basically infinite compassion. That's why she worked so hard on Vermin when no one else would. So that's why I'm saying that she was written badly. So it's sort of a literal and figurative character assassination. And I liked pretty much everything else about this issue, but that one point was such a negative on my radar that it just bumped it all the way. I would have been been there with you giving it a B if it wasn't for that. Right. Uh, Any other cons? I think that's probably the big... Well, uh, was this the issue that had the accessing memories line? Yeah. I mean... Like a moron. Oh, my God. (laughs) That was your con? I mean, really? Like, okay, we've we've talked about slot talk before, but it's like, and he actually has Massacre say this line. Let me me pull it up. He actually, instead of calling her, you know, Miss Dr. Kafka... He goes, Dr. Ashley Kafka, because I'm about to kill you. Ah. Know. You know, it's just like, I, I don't know, man. It, it, it's, it's hysterically bad. Oh, no, no. It, it is, no, that's not true, Dr. Ashley Kafka. I don't need all of you. And then, <laughs> Listen here, Zach Joyner. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean yeah. really. Why would he, Dr. Ash, like, I'm identifying you because no one else knows. I mean, it's just over-exposition. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 dialogue style. It's slot talk. We've, we've hit that one up. I, I know. <laughs> In the past, yeah. But but it's it's something that is a common occurrence, and I think that's probably one of his biggest failings as a writer, in my opinion, is that he just doesn't have naturalistic dialogue. It's very clunky. So that bumped it from an A to a B to you, for you. Between that, that and the Kafka. Kafka. Yeah, the whole Kafka yeah. scene was just awful. JR, what's your con? Um, well, one, I, I hope that Dr. Kafka isn't really dead. I hope that she just looks dead or, you know, <laughs> is playing dead or whatever, because I agree with Chris. I do not like killing supporting characters unless you have a good one to replace them. And I think past history has shown that when they kill somebody, they don't they don't do a good job of replacing them. Harry Osborn was never really replaced. Uh, so I brought him back. And Gene DeWolf has never been satisfactorily replaced, so I, I think that's a, a that's a big con. Uh, another con is is more a, a con on Marvel, not the story. But remember, we can't relate to a Mary Peter Parker. Nobody can, after all. But we can relate to a man who college girls are checking out, noting how good looking he is. Because we've all <laughs> had that happen, you know. You know, we just, you know. I mean, I hey, I you know, I I go to Bowling Green State University all the time, time, and uh, drop my daughter off, you know. And it's like I got college girls telling telling me what a fox I am all the time. So. Check out the eye candy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so that's that's an anti-Marvel thing. It, it, it's similar in that I mean, how how long did was Gene DeWolf out of the books before Peter David killed her? Well, Sin Eater killed her, but not Pe- before Peter David. <laughs> Actually, I, I that, that she she was uh, in the books like less than Captain Stacy was. She, I mean, she she was she appeared, but like she wasn't like a long. She wasn't like a hardline uh, supporting character that appeared in every single issue. I would say the you difference know. is that uh, Peter David had this sort of really big story and the death actually had effects. Whereas this is a two-parter where Ashley Kafka's death seems to just sort of happen, be brushed over, and, I mean, it certainly doesn't look like it's going to be having much of an effect on anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. That's, that's the part where I didn't like because, uh, honestly, I, I don't care if she's not appeared in a while. If you if you see somebody that you're not meant in a while that you used to see all the time and they're dead... That's gonna like that's gonna affect you for a little bit, and there's no besides that one page. There's no 
at all reaction from Peter, Peter or Ghostface Peter. Yeah, he says it's all his fault. Like even being yeah. dead can't stop that. Which you know he would say if he saw uh, an ice cream on the sidewalk. <laughs> uh, it's all my fault. The ice cream was wasted. He'd be watching The Passion of yeah. the Christ and say it's all my fault. <laughs> 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 uh, Kevin, did we get any other comments? I think you were the last one I didn't hit up for comms um, before we go to pros. the killing of Ashley Kafka. You're um, right. The other thing, it's like, I'm not sure if I can say it's a con because it's kind of part of the story, but mm-hmm. just, good lord, is this making Peter Parker out to be a sucky superhero. I, yes. mean, I actually, when reading this yes. issue, I actually found myself glad that it was Ock and the webs when the threat is massacre, because I feel like Doc Ock is going to deal with him, and we're just seeing how bad Peter Parker bungled everything. <laughs> that that leads me to when he comes back, and granted, it's, it's assuming he's coming back, but you know he is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> is he going to implement some of these changes? Is he going to have little spider bots going around the town? Is he going to uh, accept that alleged degree from grad school? I what think the stuff like the spider bots were already, you know, this is there is an arc here where it starts out looking like he's the better superhero because of all this, and then we're going to see where all of this is sort of evil. Like, you know, we're sort of, we started to see that in the end of the next issue we're going to talk about with the spider bots, and I think that's kind of where Slot's going with all of this. I think in the end, his point is to make a statement that Peter Parker is the better hero, but for all of this, man, it's not really convincing. Well, the thing, right, like the, the lenses make it easier for him to track people. The thing about it is, though, is that, like, uh, Peter did start upping his tech during big time. He was basically doing kind of what is doing, but I think it's either in this issue or the next issue where Peter mentions in his, in his ghost form that the reason why he can't get his graduate degree and do other things is that because his, his civilian life and his superhero life are kind of pulling him in different places. He can't concentrate on one thing or the other. He has to try to like kind of juggle things. That is sort of like what defines him. So I see what you guys are saying, and it's really easy to pull the whole Spider-Man sucks card because Marvel was pulling him for five years. But in this instance, <laughs> I, I kind of disagree. Okay, let's go around pros. Uh, Jr., what what'd you like about the issue? Norman, <laughs> yeah, baby, that came out of. No- I didn't expect to see it. I mean, we, it's been since seven hundred. Was it seven hundred? Where no, or was it six ninety eight? Where he left the bed? Six ninety nine, I think. Or six ninety. It was like six ninety seven. Yeah, it was yeah. before dying. Wait, wait, you just jumped out the window. Just ni- it was just nice to see Norman back, and we're assuming that's Norman. Uh huh. Yeah. It's Harry. Bart yeah. Hamilton. <laughs> It's Bart Hamilton. There you go, Jr. Now you're pissed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, uh, you know, I tell you, I, I like this issue. I mean, I, uh, I, I really like the, I like the dilemma that it poses. That when you're a superhero, or when you're a, you know, a so-called hero at all, you have to go through sometimes the dilemma of, you know, am I is the greater crime to actually, you know, kill this really evil person, or is it to let him live and continue to kill more people? Uh, I mean, I think that's a legitimate, uh, a legitimate question that a, that a hero, particularly a superhero, should face. Uh, and uh, so I kind of like that overhanging the story. And I, I just, I just like, I like Doc Ock just being an arrogant douchebag Spider-Man. I really do. Yeah. Uh, I just, and, you know, and, and him making fun of his old professor. Oh, I mean, that that might be. Is that in this issue or the next? Yes, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's the okay. nose. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I love, nose. you know, I love that, you know, making fun of the, the professor. Um, yeah, and I, um, you know, and I like Doc's reaction to Peter never completing his grad studies. You know, like, like, what the heck have you been doing with your life? Yeah. Uh, and it's like he's the reader. Yeah. Exactly. In a, in a way, yeah, he's commenting. He's kind of commenting on on Peter Parker. 
Uh, and I like that he, I I like that Doc Ock has genuine concern for Aunt May that is portrayed in a way that's not sexual or creepy. For once. Yeah. yeah, God, yes. (laughs) Kev, what'd you like about it? Uh, I like that Massacre actually did feel like more of a scary villain in this one to me, and... Better than the last appearance, I thought. Yeah, his last appearance, I didn't really feel it, but, um, I don't know, and it's not because he killed off Ashley Kafka, that was really unnecessary. Just the whole way he's portrayed, especially more towards the end, uh, feels like a more frightening villain, and that really helps the whole tone of the issue and the whole thread of the issue. And I had written in my notes um, when I was writing down prose, Green Goblin, yay! But um, I'm not sure if I can count that as a pro now, since it didn't actually get followed up in the next issue. <laughs> yeah. And I actually even like the way, even though I'm usually not a big fan of Kamenkoli's art, I actually really... I liked it better in this arc, and I really liked the way he drew the Green Goblin. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think it's just a couple panels, but he did a good job. I'm wondering what design of the suit they're going with for the Goblin, because he didn't get it really... It does look classic to me, too, as opposed to that, that metal armor that he was in with Marvel Knights. Oh, the uh, Samurai Goblin. <laughs> yeah, the Samurai Goblin. Which, honestly, I think that had to do with, like, melding the classic with the movie, and now that the movie costume is so badly remembered, they probably don't feel the need to do that anymore. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, any other pros? I'll go. Who's, okay, go ahead. Um, I like Otto going back to grad school, like pretty much everybody else has said. Uh, and I thought yeah. I thought the scene where he freaked out over the fact that he doesn't have a doctorate in Peter's body was hilarious. And yeah. I think taking Otto to a new setting with new supporting characters is exactly what this series needed to do. Because when he's interacting with Peter's friends, the fact that he's behaving so oddly has to be the focus of those scenes. But with new characters, he can act like himself without it being an issue. And the book can tell different kinds of stories other than why aren't these people noticing something's different. Uh, And I think a college campus is a good change of scenery. And because it's Otto and not Peter, it doesn't seem like it's a rehash of an era we've seen before, which it would be if it was Peter going back to college. So good on that. All right. Any other pros before we move on to the next issue? Outside the, the Kafka, I'll, I'll I'll jump in. Sorry. Okay. Uh, outside the Kafka, uh, needless death scene. Um, I just like the way Cam. I, I'm going to kind of echo what Kevin said with the Cam and Coley art. I think he really benefits from a strong inker. Inker, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, I don't like it when he's inking his own stuff. And I found that like even w- with both of these guys, with Stegman. And and Cam and Coley, I, I prefer somebody else going in and inking their stuff as opposed to maybe they're them inking their own stuff. So uh, thought it was very strong artwork. Um, I, I love the little touch with Owatu uh, Jackson wearing the basketball jersey. I, I I know that's like a that's like a random thing, but until I noticed who the which number it was. What it? I didn't notice that. Okay, what was he wearing? He's wearing he's wearing Larry Bird's basketball USA basketball jersey. Which before his you know, time, yeah, well before his time, one and two, if he's a you know, if he's celebrating that particular team, Larry Bird kind of seems out of place for that character. He kind of strikes me as a more a Michael Jordan guy. Just saying, um, that's random. I would see. I'm not a sports guy, so I wouldn't. Have well, yeah, I mean, it's just a little. It's just a little yeah. touch I just noticed. So this was Larry Bird on the USA basketball team. He was on the dream team with. Uh, it was him, Magic, and oh, yeah, Jordan. Yeah. The, oh, I remember the 90s. I, re- I remember the 90s. The Olympics, yeah. Yeah. The 92 Dream Team. So uh, not, that was kind of a fun little thing. I think it also kind of ties into basketball theme, March, all that jazz. I don't, I don't, know, if, I don't know if that was a Cam and Coley thing or, or, or what, but that was kind of fun. Um, 
Modell is not portrayed as a dithering idiot, even though we kind of, you know, him and Hobb, the line of accessing memories, I think that was kind of just a, um, a build up towards the inevitable you're fired. Uh. <laughs> it seems like, the, at least with last, was it, which one was Crazy Town Banana Pants? Was that three? That was three. That was two. Two, All right. two, two. 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 Well, it seems like every other issue we're getting lines that just pop out and make us remember them because they're so odd. Crazy Tempo Dan Pants and Accessing Memories are two. Issue, though, like when when uh, uh, Peter Puss says Accessing Memories, Uwachu and and um, and Max Modell kind of look at each other like like mouthing WTF. Yeah. Right. Who says that? <laughs> well, and you'd think that like two major league scientists in a world that is so sci-fi would think. Nobody says that unless they're like an android or something. Maybe we should check him out. I think the yeah. only person that's ever said that in like all of fiction is Data in Star Trek: The Next Generation. Right. <laughs> exactly. That's when he had a, w- a Windows update. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Accessing memories crash and he falls down. Uh, uh, let's hit up uh, Superior number five. And, Chris, you've got this one. That's right, Brad. All right. This issue opens in the apartment of Miranda Pullman, who's the CEO of Fizzy Cola Industries. Now, if you... Uh, what's that? Fizzy. Fizzy yeah. Cola. Now, now, if you thought Oscorp was bad, like <laughs> an evil corporation, wait till you hear about Fizzy Cola Industries. They're the parent company of Burger Town, which was the restaurant that Massacre shot up in the last issue. And we learned that the association between Burger Town and murder is hurting the company's stock. And then Massacre shows up in the Fizzy Cola CEO's apartment and puts a DVD in her TV set. He starts talking about how Fizzy Cola had this unsuccessful ad campaign where they doctored footage of old American icons to make it look like they were drinking Fizzy Cola. And that's what the DVD shows. But then Massacre says that what if you tried the opposite and have the truly despised endorse your competition? Then the video switches to an image of Adolf Hitler drinking soda from the competing soda brand Mocha-Cola, and this shows you how badass of a villain Massacre is, because he must have spent hours digitally editing editing footage of Adolf Hitler to make it look like he was drinking cola, just to make a one-second point in this presentation. And then Massacre announces his, his evil plan, which is for $12 million, he will put on a Mocha-Cola t-shirt and go on a killing spree, and that will hurt Mocha-Cola's publicity, thereby benefiting Fizzy-Cola. And <laughs> we later learn that, yes, the Fizzy-Cola CEO actually agrees to this. And uh, <laughs> Brad, can I ask you a question? Yes, hit me. If you turned on the news and you saw that someone had committed a mass shooting while wearing a Mountain Dew t-shirt, would you switch to Mellow Yellow? No, I'd go to Mountain Lightning. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good grief. Okay. So so that probably means that this plan is probably stupid. (laughs) Um, Drinking the juice of a killer, no! (laughs) Anyhow... In the next scene, Spider-Puss is integrating Uwadu Jackson's facial recognition software into the Spider-Bots that are roaming the city, and this way the Spider-Bots can search for particular people. And Uwadu is concerned that one guy shouldn't have this much power, and people have compared this to what Batman did in The Dark Knight, and that's, that's true. Uh, then Otto visits Anna Maria Marconi, who is a classmate who has been harassing him with endless texts and emails, offering to give him physics tutoring. Anna happens to be a little person, 
and Otto's visiting her to tell her to stop contacting him, but then he hears about her business model. So for 60 bucks an hour, she'll not only help you with your physics homework, but she'll also cook for you, and she perfects her food with science. So, uh, Science! Go, yeah. Don, go! Science! <laughs> so, Make me a pie! <laughs> yeah. So Otto stays, and he impresses Anna with his own scientific knowledge, and good times are had by all, except Ghost Peter, who's really worried that Otto's eating too many carbs and he'll get fat. Um, Ghost Peter sucks, by the way. And uh, in the next scene, Spider Puss locates Massacre, but he goes, uh, he uses his gadgets to find Massacre's hostages and rescues them first. And he calls the police in advance to let them know where Massacre is. And uh, so Massacre is in the Grand Central Station and he's killing people with his Mocha Cola t shirt. And Spider Puss finds him and renders him helpless, and Spider Puss holds a gun to Massacre's head, and uh, Ghost Peter is saying, don't do it, and an old man in the crowd is saying, do it! And Massacre starts like, crying out of fear, and Ghost Peter says, like, see, he can feel emotion, maybe he can be cured, but Otto says that Massacre will always have a killer hiding inside of him, so Otto pulls the trigger, and the art just shows like, the gun firing and there's maybe some blood specks you can make out in the muzzle flash. Yeah. And the next thing we see is people on the news saying, oh, he's neutralized the killer. And Jonah is praising Spider-Man for his zero tolerance. But no one's saying what, he, what Spider-Man did exactly. So there's some confusion, I think, validly over whether Otto killed him or not. And so then the, the Spider-Bots sneak up on the Fizzy Cola CEO and Spider-Man appears on her TV screen threatening her unless she confesses the, the, her plant, like her involvement to the authorities. And the issue ends with Otto telling the CEO that his power and responsibility is to watch over and judge you all. We get really big, scary, like yellow lettering to, to yes. Uh, Very good synopsis, by the way. Oh. What'd, you, what'd you like? What'd you hate? Well, what I liked was... Uh, actually, I'll say what I hated first. Okay, hit me with some The issue is too vague on what Otto did to Massacre, because we see the gun is pointing at Massacre's head, then we see the gun firing, and there's no sign that anyone moved, but you read the dialogue afterwards, and it's so... The words are chosen so carefully to be vague that you know it's intentional. So the issue kind of leaves you scratching your head... Because Slot built up this big will he or won't he dilemma, and at the end of the day, all we get is a replacement of that with a did he or didn't he uh, question, and that's kind of an unsatisfying way to end this story. Um, but my pro, my pro. Is that, before you go on, is that the cliffhanger of the issue? Did he or didn't he? It's kind of a lame that... cliffhanger because it's not a cliffhanger about what's happening next. It's a cliffhanger about what the fuck. Oh, sh oh man, I screwed up already. <laughs> 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 um, what the hell just happened? You know, that's only—it's like right. uh, just dancing around the issue for the sake of a cliffhanger. Six will make this ambiguous. Do you think we'll never get a resolution to this? Well, one? issue six, according to the previews, is an issue about Screwball and the Jester. So it does not seem like a fallout of the ra ramification. Yeah, a ra it does not seem like an issue that's addressing the ramifications of Otto killing a guy. So I don't know what they're they're doing here. Um, 
I'll give my pro for the issue. I, I liked how when uh, Octo Spidey was firing his gun, he said that the killer will always be hiding inside of you because I think on a subconscious level, he could have been talking about himself and because Otto is also trying to reform, but he might have a killer inside of him. So if we operate under the assumption that Otto did kill Massacre, which I think would make the story a lot better, uh, Otto is judging Massacre for having a killer hiding inside of him, but at the same time, um, Otto is proving that the same thing is true of himself. So that would be brilliant, but only if it turns out that Otto actually killed him. Yeah. What's your grade on it? If Otto, if it turns out Otto killed him, it's a B plus. If it turns out that Massacre's alive, a C plus. And I know that's kind of a cheat, like making my grade contingent on future events, but I really think that... I mean, if I have to go with one, I'll just give the story a benefit of the doubt and give it the higher B+, plus. but I'm still uncertain because okay. I don't know what's going to happen. Right. JR, what's your grade? Uh, I gave it a B. Okay, and Don? A B as well. And Zach? I gave it a C. C and Kev? B-. minus. All right, let's do... We'll switch it up. Let's do pros. What What everybody like? Free-for-all. Like Whoever wants to hop in. I like the artwork. Uh, I thought they are okay. Any any other pros from anybody? Um, I think Kumankoli's art here is the best I've ever seen it. Uh, I think yeah. he's he's really it's doing good. a great job, and he's even evoking. I'm not usually a big fan of uh, Marcos Martin or Martin, uh, but there are mm-hmm. things about his art that I like, and I feel like Kumankoli is uh, kind of echoing the best parts of Martin's art here. Um, yeah. Also, we're starting to see a natural character arc for Doc Ock, uh, which is the kind of thing that this story always should have been. And I like that we're starting to see that. It makes the story in general more interesting. And I've got to say, uh, even though you know Chris took the opportunity to say how much Ghost Peter sucks around the time of him yelling at Ock, this is like the first time I've enjoyed Ghost Peter is the line where he uh, said, when I get my body back, I'm going to have to work off an Ock-sized gut. Like, yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty funny. <laughs> Ow. I like that. He's worried, he's worried more about his gut than uh, Ashley Kafka, I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> that, that lady was not mentioned at all in this issue, uh, no. which I'm wondering this, if this is the trend for Massacre. Next issue is what... Kill all people have them forget about. Exactly. <laughs> Mary Jane who? Every, how about every issue we knock somebody out? I mean, honestly, this, is, this has gotten to the point now where it's a little absurd. It's trying to toe that line of being, you know, cheeky and not. And just, he's a villain. He's going to be doing villainous things. You know, that's his natural instinct. Portray it. Don't, if you're going to do it, go, go, excuse the the language, but balls out. I mean, honestly. How how many think, um, since he is on a trend of killing off female characters, uh, how long does Shashan have? <laughs> oh no! <laughs> don't you? She has don't you? See, honestly, she's toast because she never appears. Apparently, she's... the Vietnamese version's already been killed off and replaced. <laughs> <laughs> she's been replaced. Yeah. Wish we had Bertoni here. He'd be going. He'd be going. No. Uh, am I the only one though thinking that if Screwball's coming back next issue, I hope she's next on the chopping block? <laughs> oh, we'd all applaud that one. Yeah. Like Doc oh. Ock forever. Doc Ock forever. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Any other pros yeah. for move to cons? Go ahead, Don. I like the character of the tutor. Um, I don't know. If it's yeah, I don't know if he says the art. I'm not sure if she's meant to be like having like a dwarfism kind of thing, or if she's meant to have like the sort of like uh, Emmanuel Lewis, Gary Coleman kind of thing, where she looks younger than she actually is. 
But I, I just like the idea that we we have a character. Uh, it's it's this is an ugly word for some reason, but I like the diversity of it. I like the fact that we're introducing a character who's not intrusive. Um, I I don't think we're going to get the Carly Hammer with her, and um, she and Ak wasn't like you know he was so snobby that he was like, of course I know that you're a little person. I don't care. Waha. But, like, he actually, like, you know, says, oh, this is the best Italian food that since my mother. It's like, that was very well written, and I, I applaud Slot for doing that. And, I, and I'm interested because if Ock uh, leaves Peter's body and Peter gets that back, I'm interested to see how uh, Peter will deal with these new supporting characters like Dr. Schnoz and uh, the tutor and everything. So I thought that was a really welcome and uh, pleasant surprise for the title. Something I liked is when he was doing that tutoring with her. What's her name again? Anna something? Uh, Anna. Uh, Anna Maria Marconi. And they were going over it, the uh, scientific theories and whatever, and he was like, well, Reed Richards did this. This book is wrong, and this is wrong, and this is wrong. I just thought that was kind of cool. That's kind of cool that like, they, they were just talking yeah. about superhero and supervillain stuff that the public doesn't doesn't know about. Yeah, exactly. And the text that I haven't caught up on, I thought that was I very cool. I actually genuinely liked most of that scene. My problem with it was just mm-hmm. the placement of it. As The whole time I'm sitting there thinking, Massacre. <laughs> massacre. Dude's name is yeah, I gotta, Massacre. I gotta go study, dog. <laughs> <laughs> well, he even says on the, on the previous page, now that the hunt with Massacre is dealt with, I can move on to my next order of business, seeing my tutor. Like, after he uh, talks to Lucius Uwatu Jackson. Yeah, it just feels like a big old halt in this, like, pulse-pounding, massacre, frightening killer, ki- just killed Dr. Kafka, is gonna have another target. Well, I've got that dealt with for now. I'm gonna go get some tutoring and some Italian food. <laughs> I I yeah. actually kind of think though, which whether or not Slot intends this or not, you know, maybe I, I just thought it was an example. I mean, I agree with what you're saying, but I think it is an example of how Doc Ock compartmentalizes things. I mean, he's not that distinguishes him from you know Peter, you know, who's always feeling all the time and Doctor you know, and, yeah. and Doctor Octopus. And Dr. Octopus kind of has almost a Mr. Spock approach to it, you know. I mean, it's, you know, I can't do anything right now about Massacre, so therefore I go to my other task, you know. And he just kind of, that's how he kind of compartmentalizes things. So, yeah. you know. Yeah, I, I think that, that makes, makes total I, sense. That, that it's just a matter of, yeah. but I don't know if it's intentional, though. <laughs> yeah, I think that makes sense for the character. It's just a matter of story momentum for the reader, for me. It kind of, like, we've got momentum with this story of a killer that needs to be stopped right now before another quote-unquote massacre and all of a sudden just put on the brakes. Before another yeah. supporting character gets killed off on some errands here, well, mostly. Uh, with JR's compartmentalized point, I like that because he's got the computer working for him, doing that image tracking, trying to find him over the city. And instead of uh, just worrying it like our current Peter Parker would do, our superior Spider-Man tries to get some other shit done. <laughs> not well, so plus we do have to introduce more female characters for the other villains. Yeah, they they lose one once. A, once <laughs> we got to introduce one, like, a new one. Jester's got to have somebody to kill next issue. Let's face it. My goodness. Yep. Any other pros? Or, or what? Yeah, what I loved. I loved yeah. Spider-Man crushing Massacre's hand. I loved it. <laughs> absolutely loved. It. You know, bad guys should suffer. I mean, they should yeah. absolutely suffer. You know, with the pain that they cause, you know, none of this, uh, oh, take them away and give them a nice, comfortable cell or whatever. No, break every damn bone in their body. Yeah, but this is Spider-Man, not Punisher. Doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> you think Spider-Man should be badass like that? Just well, break some Spider-Man doesn't, down. I don't want to see Spider-Man kill people. 
you know, okay. I mean, I, 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 that, that's not my Spider-Man, but I, I'd like to see him beat the absolute crap out of people. Yeah. Something we agree on that he did to Ock was rip the arms out. That's kind of mean. <laughs> Back yep. in the 80s. I yeah. mean, that extent of brutality. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's well, capable of for him. So he, I can see him doing it. Like, I, I can see him, like, inflicting a lot of pain, but I can't see him, like, you know, ruining somebody's life over that. He gave uh, the kingpin a, a nipple twister. <laughs> did he really? Yeah. When was that? That was in Back in Black. That was in Back in Black? Oh. Oh, 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 I, I'm remembering that now, yeah. He just, I like, pinched... He just, like, pinched the crap out of... Maybe I'm, like, inserting this memory for some weird reason, but I, I swear that's like, in there. You should accessing access your memories. memories. Yeah, accessing <laughs> memories. I think he, like, pinched no. his man boobs and, like, then gave him, like, a big smackdown. I No, I think you're right. I mean, he may not have absolutely grabbed the nipple or whatever, but that's kind of what <laughs> it looked... That's quite what it looked like to me, is, like, he grabbed a small, fleshy part of the body and then just, like, pulled him up. Using just that, which would have to have hurt like hell. So a man with super strength. Yeah. Spider purple wow. purple. I forgot what we're doing. Pros or cons? Was that pros? We're about to get to cons, I think. Okay, let's hit cons up. What do we got? I don't think. I think that slot honestly didn't have the guts to pull the trigger, uh, quote unquote, so to speak. Yeah, and um, literally, I want the story is better if he kills Master because I don't think. Doctor Octopus has has never had any compunction about killing people, whether he, whether like, he feels like they should die or not. So there's nothing that should really keep him besides you know Ghost Peter saying not to to kill him. So I don't see any reason why, unless we're going this idea that like uh, Peter's annoying voice is actually getting to him. I don't see any reason why he would let him live. But I think that because it's not shown, Slot couldn't. Slot just didn't have the guts and. They had the guts to kill Kafka right in the middle of the floor and see the whole dead body, but we well, didn't see Well, she's a woman, Brad. She can die. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I should, I should, I'll take that back. But, um, like, I, Donovan Grant at uh, gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like, I think that like he, yeah. he felt he could pull that off because she was a character who no one – only Slot remembers, and he kills her off because he remembers her. But, like, in this case, first of all, it's his own pet character. But also, like, I think that – I mean, what, okay – it's it's like the Aunt May thing. If he kills him, then show him them being killed. If he didn't kill him, then that, that's why he didn't show it. And I think that the stories because they say like, oh, he neutralized him, and you know, blah 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 blah. Now, regardless, doesn't, the next doesn't this sound like a good villain's name, the continuity killer? That's like you like that. That's what I call Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I mean, regardless, the next issue should should um, uh, like open with Mary Jane saying, "What the hell is wrong with you?" Because Spider Man doesn't use a gun, but like. I, you know, there's no. I, I I can just see the storytelling behind it. I can I can see him not showing it because he didn't do it. If he did it, then this whole this whole the way they showed it was pointless, and the way they kind of hit it at the end was pointless, which is a little annoying to me. And I, next, I don't think next, it's strong. Next month will be interesting to see if they even address it or they just bl- uh, just blow. Um, keep going. According to you know the unofficial Spider-Man uh, letters page, which is AKA Dan Slot's Twitter, that we'll know by issue six. Oh, okay. Well, there. Fair enough. I just, yeah. Because you know, as Jr. says, you got to read Twitter to understand. Well, the when he <laughs> says by issue six, I'm sure he means you're going to have to read the recap page. It'll be made clear there. Uh, right. Kind of how uh, that one time during and Scarlet Spider, uh, we didn't know the villain's name because they never actually said it, and we had to find out from the from the recap page. That was fun. It's, it happens kind of all the time, sadly. Yeah. There was a, oh, can I make a comment on that? There was an issue. Yeah, the issue of um, 
Venom, where they reveal that the Crime Master is behind everything, like early in it, before the Crime Master was revealed, the recap page in of that issue said that the Crime Master was doing all these things, so you would have read that before the actual reveal in the comic. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's funny. brilliant. Just reminded me of that. That's funny. Uh, Chris, you got any cons? Um, like I said, it's the uh, the vagueness of the ending. Yeah. Yep. Oh, you you reviewed the whole thing. I got totally. <laughs> you just spoke up. Any other cons from anybody uh, yeah. else? Yeah. For me, the yep. um, massacre's branding scheme was very strange, and it completely undermined the frightening killer that I thought Slot had just done a good job of making him the past issue. It tore. It sort of. It turned him into a joke in that scene, and then for the rest of it, he's randomly wearing a Mocha Cola t-shirt, which does not exactly say, I'm frightened of this comic book villain. Plus, for me, Mocha Cola <laughs> is a very tasty drink that my uh, school's cafe whipped up that is Coke, two shots of espresso, and a shot and a half of white chocolate. So that's a great drink. <laughs> it, it, it when Chris described it, well, maybe it's because I've read so many damn comic books over the years. But when Chris described it in his sum- summary, it sounds like the dumbest damn pitch <laughs> that you could, you could pitch to like an editor. All right, we're gonna have a massacre at Burger, or, allegedly. At Burger King. <laughs> we're gonna have a massacre at Burger King, <laughs> <laughs> and then we're gonna we're gonna pit Pepsi against Coke. All right, and the guy's gonna make it. The guy's going to make a DVD, and he's going to blackmail this gal of Hitler drinking Pepsi and not Coke. It just seems so lame when you think I, about that's it. That's a good idea. Yes, it is, boss. Oh. <laughs> it just sounds so far-fetched and overthought and to make this guy a it badass. It completely robs the frighteningly random aspect of when he did kill everybody at the burger joint last issue, because now we know it was a calculated move as the beginning of his branding scheme, which is just dumb. Why did he yeah. want money? Did he want money in his, in his first appearance? I don't Not remember. that I remember. Of course, I don't I honestly remember a whole bank. lot about his first appearance. I don't find it that memorable. I thought he robbed yeah. the bank. I don't remember either. That's that's a problem right did there. Did you notice that the Mocha-Cola uh, uh, icon or uh, symbol looks kind of like the original uh, Marvel Comics symbol? Yeah. I, I did. And it reminded me of that Marvel restaurant they had in the 90s at Universal Studios or whatever. Oh, God. Yeah. I, Last time I was there, that? last time I was there, that was still there. Oh, I've never, I've never been since they installed all the Marvel stuff, but uh, it reminded me of that. All right, uh, is that good? You think we want to move on now? Anybody else got any other thoughts on the issue? I'm good. I'm good. All right. Good. The next part is a lot of movie talk. Um, we're let's go back to. Uh, I think this is the biggest piece of news that came out in the last month and, and JR you've got this one our uh, the villain from the Muppet movie <laughs> <laughs> Chris Cooper has been cast officially as Norman Osborn he's a really good actor uh, JR I think and what do you think of the casting well I was uh, I was pretty pleased I mean uh, I think the only one of us in this uh, po- in this show who has problems with Academy Award winners playing our favorite characters is, um, oh, I don't know, the host who doesn't want Sally Field to be Aunt May. But anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, no, I, petty ants are breaking the up on the lines. <laughs> uh, you know, he, he doesn't look too dissimilar from Norman, you know, I mean, because no. no one's really going to look like Norman, uh, but uh, he looks close enough. And uh, I think with Chris Cooper, they're going to go for a more 
they're going to go with a much less comic booky approach than they did with Willem Dafoe. Um, I, I just hope he doesn't turn into a Hulk goblin. That, that would be awful. Oh God. Um, yeah. Um, and, uh, you, you know, I mean, he is actually the lead in a movie that I recommended here a few years ago, uh, Lone Star, uh, where I, I just thought he was really good and in, in a really good movie. Um, although I kind of wonder why he's taking this part, you know, I wonder if he's getting to the age where he's like Liam Neeson and John Malkovich. Now they're just take they're just taking paychecks, you know, years ago it would have been beneath them, but now they're taking paychecks. But, uh, overall, I, I think, I, I think it's a great choice. I, I, I look forward to seeing uh, what he does with it. He's a little bit older than I thought. I'm, I'm looking at his age. He's 61. Yeah. I, I like that he's a Missouri boy. He was born in Kansas city, Missouri. And we won't hear that against him. <laughs> There's a Spider-Man connection to him that I didn't know. Uh, he was in the movie Sea Biscuit with Tobey Maguire, so that was that's cool. Uh, a very good actor. Um, they can dye his hair what a little red, put some red streaks in it. Uh, they, they don't need to. I mean, they don't need to. And the fact yeah. that he's actually oh, I mean, Norman himself is 55 years old too. And although Cooper's in his early 60s, I mean, we've already established that Norman is uh, dying. So, you know, any additional any additional weathering that he's got, you know, is, is going to be, you know, fit, fit the plot perfectly. Right. And that that leads me to question who was in the cell at the end of Amazing Spider-Man 1. I don't think it was had to be anybody. That was just I, I think that Michael Massey was just a placeholder. You know, they wanted to have a, a post credit or mid credit scene to kind of, yeah. you know, Ooh, what's going on? What's going on? You know, it, you know, the big conspiracy yeah. type thing. And and, uh, you know, they obviously hadn't cast Norman at that time. And they just wanted a creepy placeholder. And, and that's I wouldn't read anything more into it than that. OK, uh, what do the rest of you guys think about uh, Chris Cooper as Norman? Chris Cooper sounds an awful lot like Carly Cooper. Chris Cooper Hammer. <laughs> <laughs> Zach would be the one or Kevin. I don't know. I don't remember anybody named that. Like Maximum Carnage uh, Omega or something like that. I don't remember. Not to my memory, and I feel like I would have noticed because I, you know, Chris Cooper has been around for years, and I'd heard the name before I read the Clone Saga, but I'm not going to swear to it. Uh, yeah. I don't think there's a Chris Cooper there, buddy. Uh, I think you're imagining things. Unless so, it was like a we, we, one-off we, character. It was like a one-off character who, like, appeared, like, like James says, Chris Cooper, get out down there and do something, and, like, I went nuts because it was, like, Carly Cooper. <laughs> oh, now you're going to have to make me go look and research it. Thanks. <laughs> was he in the Bugle? Yeah, he was in the Bugle. Oh, yes. It was the Maximum Carnage Omega thing? Yeah. Cole Cooper. Yeah. Photographer. Yes. Yes. It was a eighties character, wasn't he? No, I'm, I just pulled it up. Hold it on. Hold on. Cooper, photographer, and he was in Web of Spider-Man one thirteen. I have no idea what that means. I just went to the cast of the Daily Bugle, and Cole Cooper came up. There you go. Means he was there. created by Kavanaugh. He we said more. No. Uh, <laughs> well, back on topic. Um, yeah, sorry about that. It's okay. Chris Cooper's a very good actor. The only reason I'm a bit disappointed is because there was a fairly steady rumor before the first one that Christoph Waltz had been cast as Norman Osborn for Amazing Spider-Man 1. And that 
suggestions sort of spoiled me <laughs> because I thought that sounded so incredibly cool, so I was still hoping for it. And it's just the fact that it's not Christoph Waltz I'm kind of sad about, but Chris Cooper's a very good actor. I, I do think it's um, pretty cool that we are keeping now a constant slate of Academy Award nominees or winners for Spider-Man villains. No doubt. No doubt. What's the thought? Are we just going to introduce them, or are we going to kill Gwen in this one? Oh, God, no. That, I think the fact that we've got Electro cast, and we've you know, Jamie Foxx has already spilled some of the Electro storyline that's clearly a big part of the movie, and we've got the Rhino cast as probably a secondary villain, I'd say we're introducing Norman Osborn in this one, and, you know, Green Goblin is, maybe it's a cliffhanger of this one, or it might just be completely saved for the third. What if Norman uh, gathers the Sinister Six for the last one, and then offs Gwen Stacy in the third one? That would be awesome. Wouldn't that be sweet? <laughs> and, you know, we're talking about Michael Massey. I was hoping he was Electro after that... Uh, teaser, and now that we know Jamie Foxx is Electro, I can still hope that maybe Michael Massey was Mysterio. Yeah. And we're Who building is Michael Massey? I, I mean, what what has he been in that we care... I mean, have we seen him in other movies? Uh, he did, He was... He's actually... Um, it's, it's, it's a stigma. It probably took him a while to get over. Most people don't realize anymore. Um, just through sheer chance and tragedy, he is the guy that killed Brandon Lee. Oh, he was oh, the really? one. He was one of the... Uh, he was one of the gang in The Crow, and in the original uh, scene where they killed the character Eric Draven, he was the one holding the gun that unfortunately had a blockage in it that killed Brandon Lee. When they redid the scene, uh, it was a different character throwing knives instead, but in the original, Michael Massey was actually the one holding the gun. Hmm. This, is, this is totally off topic, but like I thought that like the scene happened where the, the Crow got a shot to the face, and that killed him. Uh, it was... Basically, they were the gang was holding uh, Eric Draven. Yeah. And the sad thing is, the way it was, it, the way it ended up being done after Brandon Lee's death was the way it originally should have been done. Because they had a different character um, that was supposed to shoot him, but the actor pointed out that that character only used knives. It made no sense for him to shoot him, so why doesn't he just use knives? And they said, no, we want him to be shot. So they gave the gun to Michael Massey's character. And it's one of those things where, like, three different departments needed to check that gun and didn't. And there was some blockage in there, and he shot him uh, in the chest, I believe, and actually shot him, and he died. I just (laughs) – this is ironic. I just Googled uh, or wikipedia Michael Massey again, and he, too, was born in Kansas City, Hmm. Missouri. That's awkward. I think one of the things that uh, like modern audiences might know him best for is uh, before the Dennis Hopper reveal near the end of the season, he was the ongoing villain for the first season of 24. Oh, okay. Yeah, I saw that. Yep, that's cool. The interesting thing is I always thought he was the uh, son of an older actor named Raymond Massey, who uh, played uh, probably one of his most famous roles was Arsenic and Old Lace with Cary Grant. He played uh, Brother Jonathan, who was supposed to look like Boris Karloff. Um, and I always thought they looked similar, so I assumed they were related, but it turns out they actually spell Massey differently. Not related mm-hmm. at all. Right. Uh, so final word, JR, you're happy, huh? Uh, yeah, I'd say so. Okay. Uh, also, that uh, came out... Uh, movie-related news. Kevin, you've got this one. We've got a brand-new-looking Spider-Man suit 
in the upcoming movie. He's got bigger eyes. There's white in the eye eyelids, or not eyelids, the eyepiece instead of yellow. And it looks like they're going back to Raimi's costume a bit. Uh, a bit, yeah. And I I do think it's interesting that the costume seems to be evolving, which sort of makes sense. Um, I mean, when we saw that costume for the first movie, we said, man, that looks kind of cheap. But, you know, it sort of makes sense that that was like his first effort, and it wasn't as good, and now that he's been Spider-Man, it's sort of evolving. Um, I like yeah. that idea. And the one thing that is uh, different from the Raimi costume is the eyes are bigger. And mm-hmm. I think that that looks really good for this, especially because, you know, in a comic book, you can use the eyes so expressively, but when it's a movie and you, you can't move the mask like that, so the eyes are one thing. Um, I think it's better when they're more of this little bigger shape because it looks more expressive in general. Uh, the the smaller shape of the Raimi costume kind of generally looked angry. Um, and this looks a little bit less so. To, I've seen a couple people say it looks like Bagley or other people. To me... Uh, it looks very much like John Romita Jr.'s version of the eyes, which is a great thing to touch off. Yeah. And the um, – maybe I'm thinking differently of the the web pattern on the red uh, is a li- just a smidge different than Raimi's. Yeah, I noticed it's, that. It's, this is black webs. What was the other one? I'd have to silver. go Silver. I, I did not like it. was the silver, silver upper, yeah. I, well, I'd I really, say this I one still looks. I'm not. I don't think this one looks black. It still looks a little bit grayish to me. Well, black gray. It's darker than the Raimi ones. Yeah, that was a little bit weird. And I think is the spider. I haven't seen. I. I um. Is the spider going down the midsection of the stomach? A little From bit what too? I've seen uh, of the front of the costume, we've only yeah. really seen like chest up, so we can tell that it's not. It's not creeping up as far as it was in the old one. So my hope is that it's not creeping down as far either. And I wonder we haven't I haven't seen a picture of his wrists yet. I wonder if the web shooters are on the outside. Yeah, that's that'll like be that's interesting. Show. I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> from what we've seen of uh sort of the more full body pictures just from the side and the back where he's like hanging in front of a window or something, uh it looks it mostly just looks like a much more classic costume, so it would stand to reason. All right. What do the rest of you guys think? Do you like the costume? Anybody hate it? Okay. I think that uh who, who said they hated it? I didn't say it. I, I, oh, okay. I, have, I have pros and cons with it. I like the okay. eyes. I think it looks like a Bagley, uh, Mike Ringo-ish kind of design, which I love. I love those kind of like big, designy eyes. I yeah. really wish they kept the original, maybe not the same pattern, but the same kind of design with the webbing. Because in the last movie, the webbing was sort of like a basketball where it was sort of indented in the costume. That, that makes a lot more sense, and it's a lot more traditional looking here. But I do not like that raised webbing. I never liked it in the original movies. And Spider-Man 3 it was really distracting because it was all like silver and white and just not like the character at all. And I think it just kind of like offsets the rest of the design. So I really wish that like if it's going to be raised, at least make it less shiny and more black like the costume. But yeah, My uh, only real complaint with that raised webbing though is, uh, and I think you'd probably agree, Don, is how the heck did he make that? <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> <laughs> well, we saw him make the original costume in the last movie, which – I bought it, so like I don't know how he got got spent or why he would spend the extra money. I mean, I can see him making a more more effective costume, but that to me seems like an, an aesthetic choice worthy of Joel Schumacher. <laughs> I oh. think I think with I think with a costume like that, you just gotta in for a penny, in for a pound. I mean, you just have to accept that he made it and move on. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not, I'm gonna still have my button at the theater. It's not like you know. Yeah, it's, me too. <laughs> it's not like it's, it's not like this. 
I, I took one look at this and says, well, I'm not watching this movie. Right. Yep. Anybody else thoughts? Because Zach, go ahead, Zach. I have to say, I loved this irony Mm -hmm. that anybody will bitch about something on the internet. As soon as it got posted on our Facebook page, we had guys going, No! They changed the costume! Why did they change the costume? Oh, God! I'm like, wait. (laughs) (laughs) Wait a second. I seem to remember these exact same outcries for when... They changed. They changed it the first the time. The first yes. time. So I'm going. Really? Yeah. yeah I mean, sure. come on. I mean, it's the internet, dude. I, I, I know, but but until we see it in 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 motion on the on the screen, shut up. Uh, I, I'm <laughs> sick of this. On, uh, on on the subject of, of sick of this, and like this is, this is totally off topic again. <laughs> it's probably just kicking me off the call. But like, I remember <laughs> like like back when people were whining about the whole skateboarding thing. Like Peter Parker riding on a skateboard, this is the worst thing ever. Like, there's a. I guess people just don't want to like these movies because they need to find the most ridiculous, useless things to complain about. Hey, I was one of those guys. I, I admit it, and I'm sorry. It wasn't that bad. It was never Chris, that bad. Chris, you like the costume? What do you think? I love it. I, honestly, I I think the eyes look perfect. I like the texture. I don't mind the raised webbing. I kind of like the darker raised webbing. It just makes it look more like Spider-Man does in the comics. It's it's just about the best uh, Spider-Man costume we've seen in a movie. So I, I I, I'm excited for this movie. I think it has a great costume. It has the best cast we've ever had. So mm-hmm. seems like they spent a little bit more money on this one too. Yeah, I mean that that's yeah. fine. I I don't really. Maybe, but it looks the the, the costume <laughs> for the the last movie just looked ugly to me. Yeah, Jr. What's your two cents? Oh, I, I like I like this costume. I mean, I like it much better. It's obviously much much closer to the original design, and I think this just goes to show that the reason one primary reason it was different last time was marketing. You know, Sony probably said, "All right, we want to sell more toys, therefore we need to have him look different." You know, and now once they've done it, it's like, eh, let's go back to the old one. (laughs) What is up with us? We're liking a lot of stuff today. That's not like us at all. (laughs) Those critics critics give us a hard time. There's no negative. We love the costume. We love Chris Cooper. Well, it's because that hater Bertone's... With, you, know? <laughs> you know, his his psychotic loathing of Betty Brant just infects us, you know, kind of like, a, you know, like bat, you know, like uh, the emotions that Carnage was emitting during Maximum Carnage, you know, and making everybody in New York evil. Bertoni does that to us and he makes us hateful. But now that he's gone, it's like our good sides are coming out. I had a bad case of Bertoni. I tell you what, man, Dr. Kafka treated me and she got shot. Uh, <laughs> Any other thoughts on the costume? I'm looking forward to seeing more because I don't think we've seen the full yeah. three-dimensional costume. We, we've seen just paparazzi pictures and stuff like that, so. Alright. And we'll wrap the show up right about there. Before we go, I want to give another shout-out to our sponsor, MailOrderComics.com. Another example of their great prices is on Superior Spider-Man number 10. In this one, the Green Goblin returns. Enough said, y'all. The cover price is $3.99. Mail order has it for just $2.47, which is 38% off the cover price. So check them out at mailordercomics.com. Thanks for listening, gang. I'm your host and webmaster, Brad Douglas, for the Spider-Man Crawlspace.com. Spider-Man Crawlspace.com.